When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, so... This is Mikey, the louder half of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast, and this is my indie episode number 70. Why are we doing this? So again, we've been trying to figure out how to bring you all more content that wouldn't burn us out, give you more insight to who we are as individuals, and be entertaining. So we came up with the indie episodes. Indie, short for individual. At this point, you know what this episode is about, but going to tell you the three parts of it anyway. Um, from this episode, you'll get three segments. The first of which is what had happened was, which is just mini stories, um, main topic, essentially, and thoughts. The second segment is Q&A, which sounds like what it is. I'm just going to answer some questions that were submitted. Got some fun ones today because I don't think the main topic is going to be much of a happy one. But this episode, I'm actually, I'm looking for some help from you all. So hopefully you can help me out at the end. And then last but not least, the final and third segment is I'll leave you with this, which is our little something special at the end. So let's get into it. Mother lover, you gon' love this. Graduated from a rebel to a revolutionary in my area, they love this. I'm a record like I'm revving the engine, heaven's ascension, every dimension. Give me attention, look at my soul, look at my heart, look at my hope. Got the world on my back, but I carry it though. Tell them God got my hand, I ain't letting it go. I, I, I came from the side of the ocean. What had happened was, um, what had happened was, is I got a text from my younger sister the other day, um, that my father wanted me to call him. Um, and this was a little awkward for me. This sister and I, we share a father. We have different mothers. Um, we are, I think, nine months apart or eight months. She's like a year younger than me or within eight months younger than me. I don't know. Forgive me, Paula, if you ever hear this. I don't know how far apart our birthdays are. But I got a text from my sister that my father wanted me to call him and it bothered me. So today I want to talk about daddy issues and why fatherhood is so important to me. Some of the problematic things that have kind of guided me along the path that I'm taking with my fatherhood and being a father. And at the end of this, I am going to ask you all a question and see if y'all can help me out. So I guess I'm just going to start with why I take 
being a father more seriously than anything else. I've talked in previous episodes about some of the work that I've done in underserved communities. I am a black man who grew up in a poor neighborhood with a single mother. I don't know how much more descriptive I would have to be with that. Um, those things alone are guiding forces for me um, and things that make me think about how important it is to be a father to your children. And I thought that that was a normal thing. Like if you didn't have a dad, obviously when you have a child, you should be aware of the fact that you didn't have one and you should focus on being a good one. And um, Randy and I were talking the other day and I just, I don't know, I guess that was just me being naive because that's just not the case. Um, Sometimes history just repeats itself. Uh, Sometimes people just make poor decisions. They don't think about the partners that they choose and kids suffer because of it. I had a friend in middle school and we grew up, you know, similar situations. He had siblings, a single mother. And we used to talk about like whenever we had kids, how we take care of it. But that just wasn't the case. I believe he he had children and I'm not going to stay on him for too long, but he he essentially doesn't have rights to those kids anymore. And that was just a very sad thing for me. But he ultimately just like kind of just went and had more kids and decided, all right, well, I guess I'll just try with these people. And I don't know. There are a lot of things that I see wrong with that. But um, I just take being a father very seriously because I saw. I saw what it looked like with some of the people that I went to school with or grew up around whose parents took their lives seriously and cared for them in a different way and how they turned out. And thank God I had my mother who played the roles that she had to play in order for me to be okay. But obviously, I think my life would have been a little bit better or just different. And I'm not sure how. If I had a father who served his purpose as a man, as a God in my life and actually helped me with what it is that I needed to do and how I needed to navigate this world. Um, we talk a lot about uh, belief in fatherhood. It's a YouTube channel that we watch. He has a podcast with his wife also. I watched the videos and the biggest thing that I always took away from it was just him being there with his kids and what a big deal that is. I look at fatherhood as both a privilege and a pleasure. Like you get little humans that look up to you, that like you, that love you, that are attached to you, that look like you, that are a part of you. And I believe that because you have that connection with this small human, you should care for it um, just like you would care for anything that's important or precious to you. But not everybody looks at parenthood or fatherhood specifically like there's something precious that you should take care of. Because if that was the case, you'd have less broken families and broken homes, things of that nature. At least that's just my way of looking at it. The reason why I have this view is because I have lost five children in the course of my life. One with Randy, which you all know about. That was a very rough time for me. Before that, one when I was 16, uh, a set of twins when I was 15. Sorry, flip that. And it's just been, I don't know. I don't know. If anybody did math, then you would have realized that was four. I don't really like to talk about the one when I was 13 because that was a different time. But yes, also when I was younger. And those situations just stuck with me. Ultimately, I was not ready to have any child prior to having Drew. And I know that um, looking back now, I definitely wasn't supposed to have them with the women who I was going to have those children with. Not a slight to them, but just that I as a man was not prepared to do what I needed to do to be a good father to them and be a husband to those women, because I did ultimately want a family. I didn't want to just co-parent. I didn't want to be a single father dealing with a single mother. I wanted that like nuclear family. New is it nuclear? Nuclear. That family. I'm gonna Google it. Um 
And as I brought up before with belief and fatherhood, that family, that type is what I had envisioned for myself when I was younger. Got older and I realized, man, maybe I won't have the whole four kids. I used to want five. Randy makes jokes about it all the time. Um, five kids, a wife, big house. Uh, and I'm starting to think that I just want to like give all my attention to this one little person and this woman and do it right because I have never seen it be done. Uh, the loss of those children and again, my overall view of just how it's a pleasure and a privilege to care for a child just makes me take parenthood very seriously. I always said when I finally got a chance to be a father, I would do everything in my power to one, take care of that child from day one. Um, if it was a girl, I was really excited at the, at the prospect of loving a woman and caring for a woman from day one of her life until the end of it. Like that was something that excited me. Cause again, something I've never seen done and something that I was never able to do before. And I always said, if I had a son that, um, that would be one little black boy, one little less black boy who would never know the pain of not having a man to guide him uh, and to care for him and to show him how to love, how not to love, uh, how to be hmm, caring, how to be understanding, how to have faith, how to walk in your purpose, things that I try to do. And I always just really wanted, I don't know, I really wanted to have kids and care for them. And I think that it frustrates me that that's not the approach of every man who decides to have kids. I think that having kids is a serious thing. I don't think that it falls on, uh, it falls on, on the woman to be the only one to care for kids. God bless single mothers. Um, again, product of one love my mother to death, but I don't think that she deserved to have to raise me or my siblings by herself. I don't think that any woman should raise any child by themselves going through this process process with Randy. And we have support. Uh, we have support systems and I know that people do, but it's ultimately the responsibility of the people who create that child to bring that child up. And I had aunts, I had uncles, cousins, people we would visit and ultimately the, ultimately the only reason why I had to spend so much time with those people or with other people was because my mother had to work and there was no one else to take care of us because none of our fathers were there. And, um, I just never wanted that story for Drew. And so it's never going to happen. I'm here for my baby. I'll be there for my baby until I die. And then I'll just just be a ghost and float around just to make sure she's straight. But um, I wanted to, I guess, just go into like two things that Drew has taught me about fatherhood that I wish I learned directly from my father. Number one was I want my child to be close to me. I don't know if this is a thing. Um, and I would love for people, you know, who grew up with both their parents, um, maybe someone who had a, a positive relationship with their father. I know that not everyone who has both parents has a like only positive experiences, but it is my understanding that you got some and some really beats my none. And I really would like to know, like, like, how does it feel to be 
attached to both of those people or to to feel the love of a father just unaware of it i really don't know what that's like drew drew taught me that i just want to be close to mine like when people say daddy's girl that like does something to me like i take pride in that and for a while i didn't think she would be because randy was the only one that she was around um seems like randy was the one she was like recognizing the most randy is who she preferred to be with who she played with more and i was like i don't know i don't know if my child is gonna be like into me ever and i know that's not like a rational thought but it happened and i guess one day drew turned her head and just started screaming like dada and it just and everything just threw me off ever since then like and that leads me into number two um that I learned from Drew that I wish I had learned directly from my father. And that's that kids notice everything. And by directly from my father, I wish that I had like a man to sit and talk with me and say, Hey, just so you know, when you have a child, they pay attention to everything. This is how you want to carry yourself. This is what you want to do. But like everything that happens uh, that has happened since I've become a father has all just been, it's just some new experience and it's all not really sure how to put this. Not shocking, but it's just new. Everything is fresh and I had no warning or like any idea of what to expect. But Drew showed me that she notices everything that day. She just started screaming. Dada, she was looking at me. She watches me walk by all the time. She does like me, you know, (laughs) with time passing. I've noticed that my daughter just has this personality about her. She actually is into me and she like knows her father. And she pays attention to her father and she sees and she she acts a different way. Like when I'm upset or when I'm tired, like she like leans on me sometimes when she can tell that like I don't have the best energy. It's really nice. Like my daughter comforts me and she's seven months. It's weird. But um, that's just two of like a billion things that I like wish I had someone to kind of walk me through on this process of like fatherhood. Again, I have people that I watch and I have mentors that I've asked and I was a very observant child myself. So I, I saw how dads treated their kids who dropped them off at school. I probably paid more attention to that than I did with actual um, like subjects in school. But um, I think I could count on like one hand <laughs> in middle school, the fathers that actually used to be active in their kids lives. There was a guy named Mr. Copeland. All I knew was he wore like band gear and he had a, a black Chevy trailblazer. And he dropped his son off every day. Um, his daughter and he was always there there's a guy named mr walker mr walker had like seven kids we used to work in after school program randy and i and when we whenever we call down uh students we call them down by like their first and last name but when it came to all the walkers we just say walker clan and then seven kids would come scurrying down the hallway and eventually make it to them he was there all the time stuff like that is stuff that i remember just very clearly I think I paid attention to everybody's father a little too much as a kid, but these are the things that were like on my mind again, because I did not have my own. So the reason why I brought these things up is because ultimately at the end of this conversation or this rant, um, I want your help. I am going to decide by the end of this night, if I should or should not call my father. Um, Truth be told, I don't really want to. I've done my processing. I've done my healing. I've prayed. I've lived. I've grown. And I really don't want to. 
but I don't know why I don't want to. And so hopefully you can help me with this because no matter what you say, I have to do it. So if you guys all say yes, I should at the end of this, I'm going to do it with no expectations, with no plans, just to see what happens if you say no. Thank you. I would appreciate that. But I put up a, a, a post earlier on our Instagram uh, page and our stories, and I'm going to do a poll later. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Before I get into all of that, I think I should tell you all a little bit about my background. My earliest memory is my, of my father is when I was three. This is one of my clearest memories as a child. I remember what I was wearing. I remember what my dad was wearing. I remember the weather outside. I was sitting on the floor in the living room. We lived in these projects in, um, in Scottsdale. It's called Oak Forest. Uh, we were in Section 8 at the time. And it was, uh, it was a little, little two bedroom apartment. They still exist actually, um, in Oak Forest. And, um, I was sitting on the floor in between the, uh, living room, dining room area. And, um, I just remember my dad like walking out. It was one of the clearest memories I ever had. He, he got up from the table and just turned around. The table was right next to the door and he just walked out the door. And that was the last time I saw my father. I don't know what happened before that. I don't really have a lot of memories of my dad prior to that. And I didn't really have a lot to go on until like I had later conversations with my mother about who my father was. Um, my mother used to paint these pictures, uh, that my dad was really smart, that my dad was, um, a great businessman. He had a great business mind. He was really intelligent. He loved to cook. He could talk to anybody anywhere, go in any room and fit in and, and people were like drawn to him. He was very charismatic. And that is all I ever heard from my mother for the first, I want to say 16 years of my life. She never, ever said a bad word about my father, which I think for like my growth and development was really like positive. And I guess I needed that, but it wasn't really realistic. And I don't know if I resent her for it, but I hate that I wasted time as a child, like believing that this really great person who was really great left because I wasn't good enough for him to stay. He was all these really great things. And I was like, well, why wouldn't he want to like be all those really great things and like stay here with me? Reason for that being is because the pictures that she painted didn't necessarily go along with the person that he was. My father sold drugs. My father had multiple women pregnant at the exact same time, obviously. Um, again, I have two siblings that are within a year of me. My one big sister who I love, Jill, think we're a year apart or two almost. Same father, different mother and Paula. And I think there might be somebody. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I have. A lot of siblings who I later grew to like love and got close to. But um, those siblings come from women who also had a relationship with this man. And I used to look at it from the position of like a child missing his father until I got older and looked at it like like some like just looking at it like a nigga. I don't know. And when I started looking at it like this is just some random nigga, it just made a little bit more sense to me. Like this dude just basically went and ran around his group of women and got these girls pregnant and didn't take care of his responsibilities and then got locked up and then got deported and then got married again and had more kids. Like it, it seemed like whenever something happened with my father, and again, this is just me going off of my own assumptions because I don't know that he would just keep moving in whatever direction suited him. 
And I don't believe that his children were a forethought. I believe that all of us were an afterthought. And some of us, I believe some of my siblings have picked up on this and we've decided to like move accordingly. Some of us are still attached and want him to love us and care about him in a way that I don't personally think he deserves. But that's my own thing that I'm still trying to like work on. So from my point of view, I hadn't seen my father from the age of three until I was 11. 11 was the first time I saw him. Went to visit him in prison in uh, North Carolina or South Butner, Butner, South Carolina. Someone not Google that or I'll Google it. Yes, it was <laughs> South Carolina. I went to visit him and it was it was there was a whole ordeal before even leaving. Um, my cousin Anthony was visiting and my cousin had just got these new shoes. He had these vans. This was in, again, in 01 vans were starting to become popular. That was like the style. He had the checkerboard vans and I didn't have like any like new shoes. Like I, I again, hadn't met this dude, but like, you know, wanted to impress the guy that I'd been hearing all these like stories about. And so I asked my cousin, I was like, yo, like, let me give you like $5. Can I borrow your vans? And he gave them to me. I didn't have to pay him. I like cleaned them up, found some, uh, some cargo shorts and like a, a tan shirt. I think it was like tan and blue. And I was like, you know, I felt like fresh. I felt fresh. I felt like it was a good, uh, it was a good, good little outfit driving up there. It was just me and my mother and it was really awkward. Like the energy with my mom was a little off. I don't know if she had, obviously she hadn't seen him in a while either. And she was nervous that it was going to be our first time meeting. And it was, it was just, it was, it was the strangest fucking thing. We get there and we're going through all of the stuff, security, taking clothes off, couldn't going in and do the metal detectors and stuff. And we get to the visiting area and just waiting. You see dudes in these like tan jumpsuits, just waiting on their family members. And my dad walks over and my dad, um, you know, he, he looked like me. It looked like me, it looked like a giant version of me with locks. And I always thought like before I had met him, whenever I got pictures or like birthday cards, I was like, yo, I thought my dad looked like, like Wyclef John. Like that was the, the closest description to the, the closest person that looked like him. So whenever I'd see like Wyclef and like songs or videos when I was a kid, but like, that was my dad. Side note, it had nothing to do with anything else. Um, but it was a thought. I saw him and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to call him. And to this day, I've never said like daddy or dad or, or anything. I actually said, um, I said, Hey, and he was like, Hey son, how are you? And he like hugged me and it was nice, but weird. It was one of the strangest things ever. I, I felt extremely disconnected, but, um, but I felt like I shouldn't feel that way because it's my dad, right? Like I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be close. It's my father. He said, hey, to my mother, my mother hugged him. She was cool about it. And we like went to the outside area where like there was like outside little picnic tables, not picnic tables, but the same tables that are inside, outside. And they were like, you know, like we can get some air. It was so awkward. <laughs> I didn't realize how awkward it was until we were talking and like they were like sharing stories. And my mom just started. My mom was cussing a lot. It was the weirdest thing. She just kept calling the motherfucker, but like laughing after saying it. It was so awkward. <laughs> it was so weird watching them. But um, there was one point where he had like mentioned my outfit, and he was like, "Oh, what you what you wearing?" And um, I was like, "Yeah, no." I was like, "Yeah, I got this. Um, got the shoes from my cousin, or whatever." And he like he made some mention and said something along the lines of, 
I don't know how to say this now because it's supposed to be PC, but it's 2001. So my my dad says, he says something along the lines of like, oh, why are you wearing them uh, F-word clothes? F-word being derogatory for gay men. You can Google it. And I was like, well, this is like the style. Literally one of the first questions my dad asked, I had to like start defending what the fuck I was wearing. Anyway, fast forward awkward interactions dad says hey i might be getting out soon please reply to my letters it was good seeing you we got the hell out of there i don't know if that was the best description of the entire time there all i remember was i felt so relieved after leaving there i was like great i saw him and if i never see him again i'd be perfectly fine the drive back mom and i she talked she asked me how that was for me i'm telling her like it was it was fine she asked if i wanted to like visit again i was like well maybe but i think that even as a kid i didn't i just didn't want to and it wasn't just because of the space being physically in like prison it was just because i really didn't i I think i'd have been all right just not being around that nigga and i could never figure out why my father's last name is nurse and my mother's last name is chapman i took her name when I was growing up, I used to hear about something called the nurse curse. It was something very loose referred to. It was basically about how like the men in our family would fuck up. And the reason for that being is because we cursed. Whatever that fuck up would be, it would be either with women, with kids, just something. Drugs, something. I, it, it was it was always very loose. You can interpret it however you like. So I always attributed my relationship with women or why I couldn't like just... I don't know, focus on one girl while I was always sleeping with a whole bunch of people, why I didn't really care about other people's feel like women's feelings in my younger days or why I always just it wasn't like a cheating thing. But the fact that I just always wanted to be with a whole bunch of women, I just attributed that to like this nurse curse. And I figured like in order to break this curse, one day I'm going to have to meet the right woman and I was going to like end it and then I'd be fine. I attributed all the bad things that happened to me to this curse. And it wasn't rational, but I don't know. It made sense to me then. But this nurse curse was was something that was spoken about a lot um, with my family, my my other family. This came up in our drive home from the from the prison. I was talking to my mother and she said, you know, like, I never wanted to keep you away from your father's family. My mother didn't always have the best relationship with my father's mother. She still does not like that woman for a lot of reasons. But ultimately... She said it was always my choice uh, whether or not I wanted to. I was really close with my aunts, my my father's sisters growing up. They would stop by, drop off money. I see them at uh, Guyana Day, uh, Labor Day, Memorial Weekend, a couple people's birthdays, things of that nature. But my mother told me on that ride home that like my relationship with my father is strictly up to me. It is whatever I want it to be. And. I think after I told her that I was good, I saw relief in her. And I don't know if she remembers this, but like, I think that that visit did more for, for, for her than it did for me or more for our relationship than it did for my relationship with me and my father. Cause after that day, you know, fast forward, my, my mother and I would have like real world conversations now about my father. I think she felt like I was able to, to handle them more. And my mother and I would talk and I'd ask questions from, from time to time. And I've actually shared some like new results. Mind you, I'm 27. I don't know, 28. I have no idea how old I am anymore. And I think I just shared a post or something with everybody a couple months ago about the fact that like my, my father was there when I was born. I did not know that. And he was around for certain moments and he changed a diaper and he was there <laughs> to, 
to help with some things. But my mom told me, you know, other stories and uh, maybe it's not my story to tell, but, you know, I feel like I want to talk about this today. My mom told me that, uh, she told me when she was, she was pregnant with me. She was pregnant with me. She was, I don't know, seven months pregnant or more. She was basically just big. And she said that she was getting a TV, like a new TV brought to her place. And the neighbor was helping her carry it because she's pregnant. So the guy helps her with the TV. My dad comes and sees like a guy helping with the TV. And I don't know. Fast forward. There's a something happens. And my dad is attacking my mom. I won't go into details because, again, it's not my business. But he is attacking her while she's pregnant with me. This bothered me for multiple reasons. Now that I've had a child, and I don't think it takes having a child to understand why you should take care of women who are pregnant. I just couldn't imagine putting my baby in danger only because I can't even go past the thought of like putting my wife or partner in danger. But just focusing on being a father in this instance, I don't think that it was ever my dad's intention to protect or raise or care for me in that way or that he was very intentional about it because he had his own shit going on. And that caused a whole bunch of other problems. Not being intentional about being there for your kids causes a rift. It causes distance. Like I refer to that side of my family as my other family. They are my second family. They are the ones that I didn't grow with, but I had to like start building relationships with. I love my cousins to death, Hugh, Heather, Haslin, um, all my nurse family, but like I look at them as like a second family only because I didn't grow with them directly. And I know that if I was raised in the same household as them, that would be a different story. I someone was trying to explain to me like the difference between half brothers and sisters. And basically, if y'all don't share the same parents, then you're just half siblings. But I don't look at the siblings that I grew up with with my mom. My sisters is like half sisters. Those are just my sisters. But someone was trying to explain like, no, well, those are your half sisters and everybody else is your half sister. And it just. It sucks. (laughs) It it really sucks. And I always wanted to be intentional about what it is that I was bringing to Drew, what it is that I was giving her. The type of life that we're like showing her because I don't want her to have these thoughts or these like issues because they just cause more problems than they need to. Like I'm a grown ass man and now I have my own child and I still struggle with trying to even describe my relationship or lack thereof with my father and why it was so impactful to me. One of the things that, that I didn't talk about when I brought up my therapy episode is that I hadn't yet started getting into the depths of why my father bothered me so much. And I really wanted to do that because I know that this holds more weight than I've let on throughout my lifetime. And it's something that I've worked on and coped with in my own way, but I also still feel like at the end of the day, like something is missing or there's a piece of me that isn't yet right because I haven't addressed that in a way that it needs to. And I really don't know a healthy way to approach that. And so I don't know, guess that's why I'm talking about this today. But um, ultimately, I've been weighing what, what therapy, what therapy has taught me, what therapy has taught me is how to weigh pros and cons. And I'm thinking about the pros and cons of talking to my dad of reaching out to my father saying dad is weird now is less weird now because I'm a dad, but referring to him as that is weird. Saying hello to my father, reaching out to my father when I have no reason to do so and no desire to do so. And honestly just kind of want him to not exist 
so that I can live freely. I don't really know how to like go about that. But what I have been doing has been extremely comfortable for me, but it's provided some deep, deeper issues. And doing what's comfortable for you doesn't always mean that you're doing the right thing. And it's really uncomfortable for me to talk to people about this issue because I feel like someone may give me some insight into doing something that I don't want to do. But I am ultimately giving it up at this point because I think that I was supposed to talk about this in order for me to hear from someone on a way that I should move forward or something that I should try, something I should do. So basically, tell me, should I or should I not reach out to or try to talk to my father? Am I good on what it is that I know and how I feel? And should I just move forward with that? Or should I like give him the space to talk and share his story? Or I don't know. I don't think that I can like even expect that. I have no idea if this man even knows how to have a conversation or like talk. I don't know who he is. I remember in my, in my early twenties, it was a big deal for me because I didn't know my father's middle name. My father's dad actually lived down the street from me my entire life and I did not know it. Um, I grew up in East Atlanta again in Scottsdale. I lived in uh, Oak Forest. It's off this main road. It's called Memorial Drive. Off Memorial Drive, there's another street called Columbia Drive. My grandfather lived there my whole life. I've moved up and down Memorial Drive my whole life, past him up and down. Like, it's crazy how close we've always been. Didn't know he was there. Um, but I didn't know my, my father's father's name, like any of it. You know, I just knew that like his last name was Nurse. Like things like that bothered me. There's a lot that I don't know, but I'm also okay with not knowing shit that has anything to do with this man. Or am I? Or am I upset? And that's just like how I deal. I don't know. You tell me. I'm interested in your thoughts. But um, I'm writing down and working on the pros and the cons. I am going to put up a list today of the pros of doing it and the cons of doing it. And then I'm going to ask for a poll. And if you think that I should reach out, I'll reach out. I'm going to give it until noon tomorrow. So whatever the numbers say at noon on Thursday, that's what I will go with. Didn't really have like a way of like wrapping this up. Just just my thoughts on all of this. So hopefully this wasn't weird. And fatherless children turn into fatherless adults turn into something else. Not having your father there is a problem. Mothers have a huge impact on their children. And so do fathers. They're in exactly the same. Your parents are are the first ones to give you an impression of what the world is. And depending on how that relationship goes, your view of the world can be skewed and problematic. And I don't want to be a problem. I'd like to be a solution. I'd like to be a help. I'd like to be a great father. If nothing else, I just want to be good to Drew. And so I'm thinking that something needs to happen here. There's some piece that I'm missing in order to accomplish that, but I don't know what it is. So these were just my thoughts. All right, Q and A, because uh, let's let me let's think about something else. Well, maybe not because the first question is uh, this is a Patreon question. Um, I'm not sure who it was, it was submitted by. Uh, we have like a question sheet that we keep up with, and it was just there. And I was like, I guess this would be a good one. But the first question is, if you could change one thing about your upbringing, what would it be? My answer is is actually a simple one. I would I would bring uh I would I would I would try to find some way to keep my uncle alive. Uh my uncle's impact on his family was 
big. Uh, it was a lot bigger than I think people know or realize sometimes. Uh, my uncle was definitely a peacemaker. He, he brought people together. He was like, he was the happiness, I think, for a while. I think after his death, there was a lot changing in my family. The, there was far less parties, far less get togethers. Um, world wasn't as much of a happy place after 2006. So if I could change one thing, that would definitely be the one thing I would change just so that he was around so that he could, uh, meet my daughter, meet my wife. I think he'd like them both. And uh, I think they'd like him. Question number two. If you could be a member of any TV family, which would it be? There was a cartoon um, when I was growing up. Yes, I would be a part of a cartoon family. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers it. Uh, Rocket Power. Rocket Power was with these little kids and they lived on like the coast. And all they did all day was skate and surf or surf and skate. I'd be in that family. They had few worries. They were happy. It's basic as hell. So it's the quickest one I could think of. Other than that shit, I'd like to be a Freeman. I could be Riley and Huey, older brother. That family might be the best fit for me. Question number three. Would you rather live permanently in a roller coaster park or in a zoo? Now this one is this is tricky. I think I brought up before how I almost died at Sesame Place. This terrible Sesame Street themed water park in Jersey or something or Philly. I forget where we went, but I almost died. I think I would rather permanently live in a zoo. You know what? I'm just going to chalk that up to a bad experience. I would live in a roller coaster park because the themes change. There's always something new going on during the year. Different people cycle through. Roller coasters are fun. There's better food than a zoo, better smell than a zoo. I'd have more comfortable places to sleep. Let's go with that. Roller coaster park. Last but not least, the final question is, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Oh, that's an easy one. All right. I would say check out www.patreon.com slash black <laughs> Nah, um, 30 seconds, to be honest with you, I'm probably going to advocate for something that's important to me. I don't know how much weight my voice would carry but i would definitely say something along the lines of men take care of your women we came from them it's nothing wrong with carrying yourself like you love them like they matter to you because they do understand the impact of your actions think about the impact of your actions and stop fucking up then check out www.blackmillionmarriage.com slash patreon that's it so that will be it for that um yeah i'm gonna leave you with this uh i talked a lot today about my own struggle with my relationship or lack thereof with my father Think about the impact that you are having on the people around you. This is for men, women, whoever is listening to it. Um, Randy and I recently had a conversation and it is still kind of throwing me off with what's happening. But Randy has decided to start doing some stuff and maybe we'll talk about it one day. But life is changing around here. It's changing really fast and it's throwing me off. But uh, think about the impact that you have on the people around you and lead with love. That's all I got today. 
lead with love. <sighs> All right, y'all. Closing call to action. Please submit any questions or feedback for the next episode. I believe we have two more indies um, before we go on break. Uh, email us at black millennial marriage or sorry at black at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 770-750-4098 we have our relationship horror story episode coming up and we still need some submissions for that actually i think we got some now but send in more because it could still be fun um after that we have our patreon family dinner episode coming which is where we just respond to feedback where we just show appreciation for the love that we get because we really appreciate y'all. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And I asked the legitimate question because I will be putting up a poll later. So give me a feedback about it. Uh, be sure to check out our website, www.blackmillenniummarriage.com. I am going to be doing some upgrades on that over the break. Really excited about and follow us on social media platforms. My personal Instagram is at Mikey underscore XXI. And you can add Randy by just going through my page and finding her and adding her from there. Uh, because I don't know how to spell her Instagram name. And on Twitter, we are at underscore the Chapmans. As always, y'all, be blessed, don't settle, and fight clean. Peace. I'm about to let the fuels. I just need me a cup. I'm a pour me the juice. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. Uh, I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice now. I got the juice. Hello. Uh.